Long. Way outside for the three. It's good. He got it. It's good. Season for Texas, they finished 34 and 0. The number one ranked team from beginning to end, winning their first NCAA championship. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Texas 24 podcast on the Dave Campbell's Podcast Network. I'm Matthew Bruni. Joining me today to continue this preview series is Ishmael Johnson. Ish, you ready to talk about some Texas A&M basketball? I'm ready to talk about Texas A&M women's basketball. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, me too. Me too. We got um, Texas A&M, Stephen F. Austin, and Lamar on this. What did I title this? East, East-ish? East, East-ish. East-ish. East-ish yeah. podcast. So Kind of being those... friendly with A&M there, but it's fine. We'll just yeah. kick, kick them over a little bit. <laughs> Push them over the, that side. Um, you know, we're, for those who have listened to our other podcasts, you know we're doing this by region to an extent. Uh, disregard UTRGV in, in Dallas. But everybody else. Uh, right now, the, the regions are a bit right now. It's got to be like it's it's got to be part of the joke that there's just like <laughs> UTRGV is in DFW, AM's in East Texas. It's no. every, everything's a little bit. <laughs> what we got to do is we got to out. Well, we, we got to draw the outlines of like <laughs> the of like where we're doing it. And be yeah, like, yeah. This one East, like those uh those troll maps that people do where they say like this is like desert over here. And right, like, right. Cities. It's going to look like the it's going to look like the the Texas. Uh, district re- gerrymandered district yeah. map where it's like you circle dfw there's like a little sliver going down to the rgv <laughs> gerrymandering you know we're gerrymandering basketball oh my god okay okay that's crazy all right but yeah we got uh some interesting teams i'm i'm actually really excited even i mean even for lamar with alvin brooks as the new head coach over there and mm-hmm. aqua franklin on the women's side but we gotta start off with texas a&m the lone SEC team in Texas. Um, I actually for now. Yeah, for now. For now. Um, you know, I'll I'll just go, I'll start off. Well, for those who don't know, we do six minutes on each team. So six minutes, six teams. Um, we come as close to six minutes as possible. Um, and let me get the timer going. And here we go. I'll I'll start off on, on the men's side here. All right. Texas A&M men's eight and eight overall two and eight in SEC play last year under Buzz Williams. Um, Just looking at general stats for them, 39% field goal percentage uh, last in the SEC. You look at just, if you just type in Texas A&M like on basketball reference and you look at uh, you look at their, their team stats Mm -hmm. compared to everybody else in the SEC. And it's literally 14th, 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 13th, 13th. It is, and I'll go through some of them later, but like, yeah, they're last in the SC and field goal percentage. They were 321st in three pointers attempts per game in the country at 25. Um, they were 175th in offense below, like, and that's in adjusted offense by Kim mm-hmm. Palm. They were 175th. They were below FAU, UNC Wilmington, Green Bay. Um, you know, they, they had Emmanuel Miller, Jonathan Aku, Savion Flagg, and some others, but they lose all three of those guys. 
Um, they bring in seven transfers and three freshmen. They have four returners on the team. I'm, I just look at this team and this might be the one, this might be the team across the state that I think we just, A, know the least about, but also we kind of go into the year kind of knowing like where they're not going to be anything special. So, you know, and that might be unfair to them. Maybe their ceiling is a little bit higher this year with a little bit of turnover mm-hmm. and some transfers, but um, yeah, there's not a lot. When you look at this team, it's like, that's like grabbing our attention. Yeah. I think when AM made this hire, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a great hire, right? Buzz Williams was, yeah. was constantly looked at as like the next kind of, uh, I mean, he was at Virginia tech, but he was looked at like the next, like upper tier coach soon to be gone, but to, to some other program. And so when AM made the hire, it seemed like, it seemed like the great pick. He, he was, uh, I know he was a, he's a Texas native and like he coached in um, AM before. And so it was like, okay, this is, this is, this makes sense. And even his first year, like it wasn't great. They have it. I think it was 16 and 14. And 10 um, conference. Yeah. But they, they ended that year. I remember, I remember they ended that year really well. I think that I'm trying to look back at the record here, but they started off really sloppy and things were like, okay, it's a little rocky, but they ended the year with a win over Auburn uh, at number 17, Auburn. They only lost by an eight to Kentucky and, or sorry, by nine to Kentucky. And they beat Alabama at that time. They beat, uh, I believe Tom Green. I don't know if Tom Green's first year at Georgia, I couldn't remember, but they had some decent wins and they finished uh, 10 and eight in conference, especially when you consider that they lost that same year, 30 to Gonzaga at the beginning of the year. They lost by 10 to t- uh, not a uh, not good Texas team. And then they only beat an Corpus Christi team by three at that point. And then Texas Southern by three. So yeah. they ended the year really well. And so that, that naturally gave a lot of people some, some optimism heading into last year. Me too. I thought it was going to be a year where, okay, here's Buzz Williams. Here we go. Let's get this thing going. And they regressed in basically everything. So, I mean, the one thing that they did maintain is that they forced a lot of turnovers. Right, they forced a lot of. They were, I believe, they were 28th in uh, 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 two years ago. They were 12th in turnover uh, defensive turnover percentage. They were 12th in non non steal turnover percentage. They were re- they were really aggressive in how they uh, defended, and I think that's obviously what Buzz Williams wants to do. The problem yeah. is they weren't really defending the shot very well. I mean, teams shot over 50. percent They couldn't match that with efficient offense on their end. I think Savion flag kind of stagnated as well. Um, Emmanuel Miller, of course, took another step forward, but he's gone to TCU now. So that it really doesn't matter. And now you're kind of left with, I don't say a ragtag group. Cause that's, that's I don't want to be disrespectful. Cause you do got Quinn Jackson coming back. You do got Andre Gordon coming back, who I think um, Andre Gordon is now the only player uh, that was there since his first year, which is weird to me. Like they only have basically one, at least one consistent contributor yeah. um, since his first year, two years ago. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. And, and then, and then of course the SEC got tougher, like overnight, like everybody in the SEC who hired a new coach or who uh, made a transition, like they hit their ceiling last year, right? You got yeah. Arkansas now with Eric Musselman, you got, Alabama, you got Georgia coming in. Uh, Tom Crean's getting better into Georgia. Cal seems to have reloaded undernight, uh, uh, overnight at Kentucky with an insane recruiting class again. And so, I mean, I didn't even mention like Will Wade, who's, you know, LSU is not uh, uh, insanely great right now, but they're better than AM. And that's yeah. just another team that you got to 
clear um Ben yeah. Howland at Mississippi State, just like I can keep going. And like, there's just so many teams that the conference is just so deep now that it's kind of unfair. Yeah. The the weird thing going from two years ago to last year is you returned a lot of players. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there were a couple departures, yes, but you returned. I mean, Miller, Jackson, Flag, Gordon, Chandler. I mean, those, those guys were all contributors two years ago. And last year, right. they just they weren't able to kind of put it together. So that's where you're like, from a coaching perspective, Obviously, I mean, you know, some are his guys, some aren't, but still you look at it and there's no reason why you should be coming in 300, (laughs) just like these awful stats that I'm looking at 292nd and field goal percentage, like um, literally 14th in every category, rebounding, assists, steals, blocks, like points, 59 points per game as an Mm -hmm. SEC team. Like you just, I, there's no, there's no reason for them to be this bad and so you look at some of the quick um additions real quick marcus williams coming in from wyoming was the mountain west freshman of the year uh jalen johnson mississippi state rotation player ethan henderson arkansas rotation player who i think henderson will will help them a good amount uh tyrese radford uh virginia tech contributor um you know then you have a couple you have a junior college edition you have henry coleman a a guy who was a reserve at Duke. So those are some of the, the additions. But, I mean, you look across the SEC, the SEC is just significantly better than it was two years ago even. So Yeah, and I like I, I think that I think that Buzz Williams knew that, it, that last year was a major disappointment because I don't think you hit a reset like this unless you know that something has to change major, yeah. right? And so even at the freshman, I love Manny Obaseki. I love Wade Taylor, right? I don't know if they'll be – I think Manny Obaseki might be a more uh, instant contributor right away, but I I like the P- – I like the idea of some of the pieces like those guys, and I do wonder if – I mean, you just – I mean, what, 10 players basically gone from last year's team? And so, you know, there is a there is something to be said about, like, we t- we've, t- we've previewed teams that – that played poorly and then brought everybody back and we're like, Oh, they might improve, but there's something to be said about they play poorly. And then you just get rid of all of them. Right. Or it's just like, let's start over. Right. There is something to be said about like, you know, uh, trying something different. And I think Buzz Williams knows that. I don't think he's going anywhere. His job's not in danger or anything because yeah. You know, he's, he's, it's only his third year and, and he, they paid him a big contract. They're not going to get out from under that really quickly. Um, but he does know that this is not what he signed up for. I mean, I'm looking at their last year's conference losses, you know, 20 to LSU, 20 to lost by 20 to LSU, 20 to South Florida, uh, South Carolina, uh, 15 to Tennessee, like it's 15 to Missouri. Like, you know, like you're losing conference games like that. And that's, that shouldn't be what they, they're, they're doing. So, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a conference where the six teams made the NCAA tournament. Uh, Ole Miss and Kentucky and Mississippi State were all very competitive and did mm-hmm. not make the tournament. So, um, you know, you have Vanderbilt down there with A&M. So, and I, I think Vanderbilt might – we don't need to talk about Vanderbilt. You know, who, who cares if they're good or not? Um, all right, 18-game conference schedule here. Let me get the prediction docs up while you okay. make your prediction. Okay. I'm going to go – I'm going to go semi opt I'm going to go 6-12. and 12. I think they improve a little bit. I think that they did, they did, uh, they'll benefit from, from a full conference schedule. Cause I know that last year, of course, it was only 10. They only played 10 conference yeah. games. I think they'll benefit from seeing a couple teams twice. Um, I think they missed, 
they missed out on Vanderbilt last year. So uh, uh, they didn't see him until the tournament. And so I think getting them a couple games, you know, I think will be beneficial. Um, so I'm going to go six and 12. Okay. Um, man, man, man. Uh, so you went six and 12. Yeah. I'm going to go. I'm going to go, I'm going to go uh, five and 13. Okay. It's, I mean, it's not easy, right? So they, I'm looking at it right now. They get Vanderbilt once. They get Arkansas twice. They get Alabama twice. No, they get Alabama once. Okay, that's actually pretty beneficial. Yeah, LSU twice. LSU twice. Yeah. Ole Miss twice. That's not bad. I mean, it, it's balanced, I'd say, right? It's balanced. I'll give it that. It's not, it's not I mean, too loaded. Yeah. They avoid Kentucky. Uh, they get Kentucky early, and that's it. So... Yeah, we'll see. Um, yep. I we could spend a lot of time talking about Texas and Buzz Williams situation, everything like that moving forward. But we'll, we'll, we'll have, have more to talk about him during the season. Yeah, sure. we'll we'll have to see how it kind of plays out to a degree. All right, let's get to the Texas A&M women's. Let's All right. do it. Go ahead. Let's get to the fun stuff. All right, let me pull up their last season schedule. So, Texas A&M women's Gary Blair had probably his deepest team. Last year, 25 and 3, 13 and 1 in conference. They go all the way to the Sweet 16. They lose to Arizona, who uh, Ari McDonald just absolutely went nuclear. And, and unfortunately, they had no one to respond. But in the tournament, they match up with, they basically find a way to play many different ways, right? They have a bunch of post players, so they can win, very, they can win defensively, they can win inside. In the tournament, they go up against Troy, who's one of the probably the fastest paced team in, in the country, and they win that way too. And so they have so many different ways to win. They bring a lot back. They don't bring everybody back. They bring a lot back. So I'm really intrigued. I think uh, Travis Brown, who did the uh, preview, they the, the um, uh, SEC preview for us for the magazine, he Gary Blair mentioned how like last year was like his most fun year coaching. And I can see why, because there wasn't a it wasn't a, a to me, it, feel, it felt like a basketball coach's dream, that kind of team, right? Where you're like, you're legitimately like nine, 10 deep, and you can run these huge rotations in and out. And you don't really have a go to player. You have some kind of player. It's more of like a feel whose night it is, right? We talked about Jordan Nixon after they won that game against Iowa State. So they bring back Jordan Nixon, they bring back Kayla Wells, I think that Destiny Pitts as well. Um, and I'm, I, they add freshmen like Jada Malone, who I think could be a contributor later down the down the line. I like a lot of these pieces. You bring back most of that starting lineup. I think you know somebody like a, a, I believe Destiny Pitts was the one that won Sixth Woman of the Year, I yes. believe in the SEC. So you know they she'll probably step up into a starting role. I think somebody like a Jordan Nixon will have to step up into a more premier scoring role. And I like how this team folds I, I like I like how this team is this team could look this year I'm really intrigued they're not gonna be as deep um of course and because last year was kind of an embarrassment of riches almost to a fault because you kind of wondered uh when it came down to crunch time who, what was your best lineup and stuff but I don't know I think the offense is gonna be okay I think defensively they might they could even be a little bit better. They weren't great defensively last year. Yeah. Um, I believe they're about 77th in the country in field goal percentage allowed, and they didn't defend the three point line great. Um, so I think they could be better on that end. But offensively, I think they could be a little bit better if, if, if around the same, if not slightly worse. I'll say. 
Yeah. The so. the interesting thing, and you brought it up. So they they return Pitts, they return Nixon, they return Kayla Wells. The thing that's interesting to me, they add Kadasha Hobby, who we talked about mm-hmm. on the um, backcourt podcast. Mm-hmm. We did. She, I mean, coming from St. John's, she was a all Big East player. She averaged 18 points per game. I think last year she got injured towards the end of the year. Um, she's someone who could potentially start if I mean you have her or Pitts. I think you sub in um, mm-hmm. to the starting role, and that's a backcourt of Nixon, Hobby, Wells, Pitts, basically, or those four. Like that's that's a really good four to throw out there. Right. My question is in the front court here moving forward. Like, sure, you you lose India Jones, you lose Aaliyah Wilson, and even uh, center Sierra Johnson, who Sierra averaged Johnson, ten yeah. and seven last year. So you lose those three, and now I'm looking at this front court like. They, they added a uh, Roby Sidney, who was a rotation player at Miami. They had Aaliyah Patty, who was a starter at Ohio State. So I have those two, like, kind of penciled in as starters. But then, you mm-hmm. know, you have some some interesting talent. Uh, Kenyal Perry was was kind of a reserve last year. Um, I mean, you mentioned, uh, where did it go? Uh, Jada Malone, I think, is an interesting mm-hmm. addition there as a freshman. So the front court, I think, is going to really decide this team's consistency on a night-in-night-out basis. That's usually how it is in women's basketball, where they're, they're the post-presidents you know, can kind of settle teams down to a degree. Sure. And, I mean, they were plus 4.6 rebounding margin last year. So that's, that's going to have to be replicated to a degree, right? And they didn't shoot a ton of threes, right? I think they only made 4.6 per game at a 37% clip. So while they made threes they didn't shoot a ton so could we see this team become a little more perimeter oriented shoot a little more threes i don't know if that's gary Blair's style but i think that the guards are going to have to do a lot of the heavy lifting moving moving into the season yeah i think that when you look at the rest of the sec this year for them i don't think their ceiling is definitely not as high because i don't think they're better than a south carolina i don't think they're better than kentucky um Obviously, LSU brings in Kim Mulkey. So, like, you know, that that's I don't think they're there yet with uh, LSU, I mean, but that's just another interesting team to the mix. Uh, Tennessee as well. I think they're firmly in that three to five spot, I would say. Um, I think one and two are South Carolina and Kentucky, especially with uh, Ryan Howard coming back for Kentucky. But and and again, they're missing that that player, right? That Kennedy Carter right. That, that level of player that puts the South Carolinas and Kentucky's kind of up on the next, on the top tier level, in addition to all the other talent that they have, but yeah, the front court is definitely an issue. Um, I do like, so Jada Malone was the, I believe she was a top 10 player in Texas um, from the village down in spring. And she's really, I, I, I don't want to say she's the make or break for that front court because they do have di- uh, uh, division one power five starters coming in potentially. Yeah. But I do think she's a, she's one of the secrets to that front court kind of clicking later on in the season. I don't think it'll be right away, but um, somebody who averaged 18 and 13 her senior year, yeah. I think there's something there, you know, six, three, I can go on, but um, yeah, I think she's going to be an important piece uh, towards the end of the year. Another Potential just breakout candidate real quick. Uh, KK Green, uh, mm, five mm. five foot six guard, a yeah. sophomore. She was a five star coming out of high school. Yep. Um, high expectations for her. I mean, the backcourt is so crowded at this point. I don't know how much she, you know, makes make a makes a real impact. But I mean, sure. that's that's someone who I'm going to be keeping an eye out for. Um, and real quick, I I meant to mention this at the beginning. That mm-hmm. NCAA tournament run. 
is incredible because those three teams that they faced were legitimately really good teams. Troy, Iowa State, Arizona, back to back to back. All teams that play very unique styles, right? Troy, Pace, Iowa State, three-point shooting, and then Arizona with Ari McDonald and the talent that they had there. Um, So, I mean, while it wasn't the final full run that a lot of people were hoping for, that's still, I mean, an impressive and a gritty way to advance to the sweet 16 so yeah it was i mean they answered a lot of questions that we had about like can they play different styles can they how do how do they react when certain teams throw different things at them and like i said they they beat a three-point shooting team they beat a high pace team and they beat a they 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 again our mcdonald's just went nuclear i think she had like 32 in that game or something like just insane so like there's only so much you can do against that but yeah, they answered a lot of questions in that tournament run for me yeah i mean we, we could talk about this team forever last thing i'll say uh Jordan Nixon has the potential we've talked about before mm-hmm. has the potential to be a consistent and like an all SEC caliber scorer yeah. in this league. The question is, can she put it together for an entire season? And sure. I, she's not going to have the pressure to do that. I don't think with hobby mm-hmm. Wells and, and Pitts, but it would be a big boost if they could be like, all right, you know, uh, Wells is on the bench hobbies on the bench. We need to we need to these five minutes to be the Jordan Nixon minutes, and she goes out and gets buckets. So right. that'll be interesting to see. All right, let's predict Texas A and M women. Um, I'm assuming 18 game schedule like the men's. Hmm. Yeah, this one's tough. This one's really tough. I'm gonna. I think. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be an op- optimistic, even though okay. I do question consistency defensively and in the front court. I think the scoring in the back court is gonna be able to carry them for enough games in the SEC. Um, Kentucky and South Carolina are in the other division, so maybe they only play them once. I don't have the schedule up in front of me. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe up really quick. Yeah. So you know, maybe you don't have to play them as much, and maybe you can play the LSU that's rebuilding. Um, you know, the Mississippi's a little bit more. Um, they get yeah they get both of them one oh they okay. get South Carolina twice uh, but they get okay. Kentucky once so okay 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 um, <laughs> I'm still gonna I'm still gonna be very optimistic well I don't know very optimistic but I'm gonna be I'm gonna go I'm gonna go a little safer than I was I was gonna go 14 wins but I'm gonna go 13 and five oh, I was I was gonna go I'm going yeah, I was gonna go 14 too. and four I couldn't pull the trigger I'm just. I mean, it's, it's, a, I mean, the SEC is tough, you know, like adding Kim Mulkey in there and whatever Baylor, whatever LSU, see Freudian slip, uh, whatever LSU turns out to be like, you know, they get them twice. Um, they get Tennessee, they get Tennessee once. So that's good. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be tough. I'm really, I'm really interested to see what this team looks like. Cause I'm trying to think they get South Carolina. Uh, I was hoping they would get them earlier than that. They get the middle of January. And then they get them late February. So like that's a firmly rolling in that's a firmly rolling South Carolina team. So all right. So what we got 13 and five? I got 13 and yeah, we both got 13 and five. That's solid. You know, it's it's a couple more losses than last year, of course, but you know, they lost a lot. So I think that's weighted, weighted optimism. They went 13 and one last year in conference. Yeah, they rolled, man. They rolled last year. That, That team was. Beat South Carolina at the end of the year, then lose to Georgia in the tournament still. But team was good, man. Team was good. Interesting. All right. That is Texas AM. And now we get to Stephen F. Austin, the um 
I will take the men's. I'll let you do the women's. Um, since that that backcourt podcast we did where I had the uh, SFA women's at uh, five, I think disrespected, which was was disrespectful. <laughs> so I'll let you uh, do the women's. Uh, but on the men's side, um, going into sixth year for Kyle Keller, uh, sixteen and five and twelve and one in the Southland last year. Obviously, for those who don't know, there was a postseason ban that was supposed to be for this upcoming year, but they got it to where it was for last year, which is, I mean, great for, for them because, you know, obviously it was a COVID year, a lot of things working, Mm -hmm. but you do wonder if this was a team that could have just won the conference last year, like could have made the tournament. Like they were rolling in a lot of instances. I mean, averaging 80 over 80 points per game. And when you look at the team stats for this team, I, I found myself, again, I've, told, I've said this before, I just go through and look at some of the team stats. First thing I do for every team. And I found myself just like yelling, what, what? Like, what, what am I looking at? They were a plus seven rebounding margin. They mm-hmm. forced 18 turnovers per game, third in the opponent turnover rate. But then they, they themselves were 337th in turnover rate. So they were forcing turnovers, but then they were turning the ball over. They had 9.5 steals per game. They were, they were number one in free throw attempt rate, but then they were 33rd in opponent attempt free throw attempt rate. Um, They didn't shoot threes. They were literally 347th in the country in three point attempt rate. Jeez. I didn't know it was that bad. (laughs) 347th out of like 351 teams. They, but they did lead the country in points from two. So I think they were like 50th in free throws. Um, 347th and threes, but they made twos, man. They were getting to the rim and they were finishing those. Uh, so yeah, just all these stats. I was just looking at like, what in the world is this team? Uh, a really unique team uh, as far as style goes. You know, uh, going into the year, Gavin Kinsmills uh, selected to a first team all whack, and uh, Rody Ware is selected to the second team. So. Um, no more postseason band. They were predicted third in the WAC and third and second in the WAC, third by the media, second by the coaches. So high expectations here for a team that returns a lot of talent, which I'll let you get into. Yeah. I mean, so Kyle Keller's kind of had an interesting tenure. Now, you know, he had the the misfortune of kind of coming after uh, Brad Underwood, who, you know, of course, put SFA on the public map, um, at least as far as the tournament's concerned. And of course, a couple uh, an upset win. I think it was VCU that they beat in the tournament. Um, and so he comes in and for the most part does, does pretty good, but it's there. Obviously the wins are vacated now, whatever that means. And, and we, we remember them. I saw the games, like, right. They happened, but um, so he goes 18 and 15 in his first year, 28 and seven in his second year, and then 14 and 16, and then rebounds to 28 and three in the year that of course was gone, uh, lost to COVID. Um, 19 and one in conference that year. And so like, it's been an up and down, you know, kind of uh, a tenure for him so far. And of course you mentioned last year. So again, he's kind of had the misfortune of coming after somebody who took him to the tournament up, upset. And so like, there's these insanely high expectations that probably to the normal person hasn't, people haven't really thought he's maybe lived up to that expectation, but I don't know. I think they're, they've been really good. Um, and again, there's, there was a brand of basketball that they played, right. They were really locked down under, under Underwood and before him under Casper. And so it's a different style, right. It's, they're not that lockdown, slowed pace team that they used to be. And, but I don't know. I, I think this is, 
this is a team that I think is really intrigues me. They bring back Gavin Kinsmill. I like a lot of the pieces. Uh, Jonathan Aku, I really like. I think that this is a team that could make some noise. Of course, they're going to run into an ACU, right? But this is a team that kind of had ACU's number two years ago. I'm looking back, like they beat ACU by 11 and seven uh, in the year that was lost to COVID. And that was a lot of the ACU team that was there last year, right? And so there's something there with this team that I think, again, when, when you lose a year, to, when, you, when you know you're not going to make a, a, a postseason run, it's hard. I don't want to say they, they didn't play hard or whatever, but like there is something there, right? To like, what are you kind of playing for? Yeah. And they were still pretty good last year, right? They're, they weren't. They weren't. Uh, 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 they weren't just getting run over. But now I'm wondering, like, with these guys, like, okay, like, you know, Gavin Kinsman knows this is his year, right? Like, this is the year to do something. And so, I don't know. I'm just really, I'm really intrigued to see what this team can do because this is a team kind of, I think, waiting to kind of make a jump. And I think this is the right time. Yeah, um, they technically returned four starters, David Cachelleries, uh, mm-hmm. um, Rody Ware, Nigel. Yeah, I didn't even mention uh, Rody Ware, yeah. Um, Gavin Kinsmill, Calvin Solomon. Nigel Hawkins was was kind of like the sixth man last year to a degree. You, I could see him just stepping into the starting role. Mm-hmm. Um, Jonathan Aku is someone I have kind of penciled in as a starter, even though last year they started – Kinsmill and Solomon as both six, seven bigs. I mean, you get a six, 10 center like that. That's someone who could shore up your, your defense could give you a rim running threat that maybe you didn't have last year. Give you a little consistency. Yeah, they did. They didn't have uh, they didn't have much blocking going. I think they're around the hundreds in block percentage. So yeah, they didn't so, really have much presence. Yeah. So you add him, uh, they go and add um, uh, Latrell Jostle from Kansas, who, I mean, he didn't play at can- much at Kansas at all, but still Jules Moore from Navarro Junior College, who averaged 13 points per game. Uh, so is this the year that they take a significant step forward? And, you know, you look at their their last season, their wins, they, they you know, they beat uh, Sam Houston State twice. Um, they did lose a double overtime game to Lamar, but Lamar was kind of sneaky, which we'll get into later. Mm-hmm. Um, they lost to Abilene Christian um twice and so those were two of their losses they lost to Baylor once so but everybody else that they were supposed to beat they beat pretty mm-hmm. pretty significant I mean pretty comfortably incarnate word you know central Arkansas all those teams I mean they were putting up 80 plus a game on them pretty much and they were doing so you know without shooting threes without um doing anything really special on either side of the ball so I mean, I look at this team that returns a lot of talent. I'm interested to watch them play because while I watched them play last year, the whole time, like you said, I was in my mind, I was like, okay, well, how much do I really need to pay attention to this team? Because they're not going to the tournament. I need, meanwhile, and this was again, to, we, we got into this podcast later into the year. So I'm like, I need to get to know Abilene Christian, Sam Houston yep. State more, all mm-hmm. these teams more. But Stephen F. Austin is a team this year that, I mean, out of the whack, I think they were the highest seeded um texas team in the whack um definitely over sam houston i think most i think they were predicted over abilene christian this year as well so Mm -hmm. i i'm i'm interested to watch the team that 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 much i'll say yeah i think i'm gonna go as far as record and i'll look at looking at their schedule commenting really quick i really like their non-conference schedule because it's a bunch of teams that they could get right real quick right they're not 
It's not a hard schedule. Then they face Kansas, right? So that he had like a very good light schedule and then Kansas. They could very well be undefeated going into that Kansas game on December 18th. And so I like that balance because you have winnable games, winnable games, then boom, test. And then you jump, then you have two games, then you jump into conference play or one game, then you jump into conference play. So I, I really like that balance of the schedule. And so, yeah, I feel like this is a team that could be rolling, man. I, I'm going to go, I'm going to go 12 and six, the 18 game conference schedule. I'm going to go 12 and six. I, that sounds, that sounds low, but I think this is a whack team where like 13 could win the regular season. I really do. Yeah, it is. Like, gonna this, be they're going to be beating up on each other. It's going to be a very competitive whack. I, yeah. I can agree that I think 13 or 14 wins might will, will win the conference. Um, and with that being said, I think this team can win the conference. Like New Mexico yeah. State's going to be very, yep. very good. So yeah, I mean, you go down the list. Of team, I think Abilene Christian's going to be better than what they're predicted. Mm-hmm. I mean, just looking at Bart, Bart Torvik, who's another resource I like to use, they have 13 and five New Mexico State winning the conference, 12 and six, 12 and six with Seattle and Grand Canyon. And then one, two, three, four teams at 11 and seven. That's ACU, Stephen F. Austin, Sam Houston. Like they have a big bunch there. So like yeah. it's going to be wild. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be very, very um, interesting on a night in, night out basis. Um, yeah. I would love to see last year's Evelyn Christian team in this conference. But sure, regardless, um, I'm going to go 13 to five. I'm going to go 13 to five. I think they have a chance at winning it. So we will see. Stephen F. Austin women's. This is, I'll let you get into your bag. All right, let's go, baby. Uh, by the way, if you have not read, I put up our secondary college feature on SFA Women's. I wrote it. I uh, talked to Coach Keller, talked to uh, Ayanna Johnson and Stephanie Vischer. They were all great to talk to, just kind of about last year and then the year before even when they felt, thought they had a team that was good enough to win. And, of course, the tournament got canceled. So uh, kind of just talk about their rise over the past couple of years and then culminating with last year, which last year, 24-3, and 14-0, I mean, you'd be hard pressed to find a more dominant team in the country than than them, if I'm being honest. And I'm, I don't mean mid-major. I mean, in the country, you look at a lot of their numbers with just by win percentage. They won big. I'm trying to think. Oh, let me see if I can have their margin of victory because they you're looking at like UConn and uh, Baylor when you're looking at teams winning by more. I believe they won their games by an average of 20 plus. And this wasn't this isn't this wasn't a uh, um, a Southland last year that was that was full of nobodies right so I'm trying to look right now 100 to 44 against Corpus Christi 85 44 against Central Arkansas 91 48 against Incarnate Word they were rolling teams 104 69 against Sam Houston another team that they lost to the previous year 73 52 against Abilene Christian 82 55 against Abilene Christian yeah. They rolled in every way possible. They were a top 10 team in assists per game. They could win literally any way possible. They could win fast. They can win with shooting. They could defend. If you look at it every single, by every single metric you look at, this was a top 10 team in the country. And of course they fall just short. It was a heartbreaking collapse against Georgia Tech in the playoffs. They had Georgia in the, in the tournament. They had Georgia Tech on the ropes, I believe a 17 point lead at halftime. And they just, it unraveled for them. I was talking to coach Kellogg about it um, for the story. And he said, it, they, I think when Georgia tech had a counter, they did not, they did not have an effective uh, uh, response. 
And so they end up losing in, uh, I couldn't remember if it was overtime. I think it was, it was overtime. 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 Uh, they had two shots to win it, uh, once in regulation and then once in overtime. Bunny shot by Avery Brittingham uh, just fell fell short in overtime. But they bring mostly everybody back. They lose Marissa Banfield and I believe Alyssa Mayfield, who was their point guard. Uh, Marissa Banfield was one of the best point guards in the country last year. Playmaking, uh, uh obviously had had plenty to do with how effective they were. Those are two team, two players that are going to be hard to replace, but to Sharon Robinson, I think is somebody who we'll have to keep an eye on. She's probably going to step into that point guard role. Stephanie Fisher, Zaya Nugent, uh, Ayanna Johnson, I mentioned Avery Brittingham, who was a stellar freshman for them last year. They're going to step up into new roles. Um, I mentioned in the story that nobody in this team averages over 13 points a game. But Stephanie Vischer and Zion Nugent could easily average 18, 20 points on any other team in the country. And they don't because they're so deep. They're about 10, 11 deep. And I think they're going to be about 10 or 11 deep this year, even without Banfield and Mayfield, because they bring in different uh, a couple players, but, but for the most part, maintain. I don't know. I'm interested to see what this team looks like in the whack. I'm really excited to watch them because I think this is a very, very talented team ready to go. Team is just so much fun. Just it's, they were, they were they so were, good, man. They were so much fun, and and getting a twelve seed. You didn't even mention. I mean, the twelve seed is just criminally just an awful seed. I mean, it for for this team as that's for this team to not be at least a nine eight sure. you know seed or something like that is just incredible. And they still almost beat Georgia Tech. Could have beaten Georgia Tech. You know, a top twenty top twenty team basically. Mm-hmm. Um, you could argue you should have beaten them. So um. I mean, you just look at the stats from last year. They shot 25.3 threes per game at a 35.5% clip, while opponents shot 18.5 per game at a 27% clip. So you're out shooting teams by 8.5% from three. Uh, they had 19 assists per game, and their opponents had nine. Uh, they shot 48% from the field, had 13 steals, and 4.8 blocks. Both of those were double what their opponents had. Again, 13 steals, four and a half block, 4.8 blocks. I mean – and then you start getting into, you know, Zion Nugent, Stephanie Fish, uh, Vischer, uh, Anaya John- uh, a- Ayana Johnson. Ayana Johnson. Ayana Johnson, thank you. Um, you know, you have some ret- other returners on the rotation. I mean, basically, outside of those two departures that you mentioned, they return pretty much everybody else. Mm-hmm. I mean, b- between uh, Avery Brittingham, uh, Brianna Mitchell, uh, you mentioned Tasharian Johnson, you know, and then they, they brought in a transfer in uh, Tyler McClint, uh call, and they brought in an LSU transfer, uh, Destiny Lombard, who didn't really mm-hmm. play at LSU. But still, you know, those are basically the two additions. They didn't bring in like a true freshman, I don't think, on their roster. I didn't see. So it's going to be an experienced team. It's I think they, be- they brought in one, Zoe Nelson, I'm looking at. But that's go. it from. Yeah, so they brought in one. So this is a win now team. It's a team that is going to replicate a lot of what it did last year as far as shooting the ball, as far as defensive intensity. And I don't see a reason why we should expect a uh, drop off or at least not a significant one going into this year. So, and they're going to be hungry coming off of what last year ended up being. And they're going to be fighting for at least a top 10 spot in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I think so. I think Destiny Lombard does uh, intrigue me because I do think they have the starting point guard locked down, you know, with, with a returner, but, you know, having somebody off the bench that can continue to, to facilitate, that can do something. I'm wondering if they do, he talking with Kellogg, he did mention destiny Lombard, right? So I'm wondering if 
there was something at LSU just didn't work out. And so, but he sees something there that's going to be, uh, that can contribute pretty significantly. Um, I expect Rebecca Crane to come in and play a little bit more. I think she only made uh, about 17 appearances. And the best thing, I guess the best thing that I say about when you dominate teams in the fashion that they did last year, you played a lot of players, right? In, in terms of like Rebecca Crane and some players that, uh, some freshmen that you might have not expected to play because you were blowing teams out, right? So they got some run. And so naturally, okay, let's bump them up a little bit, right? I'm looking at, uh, uh, I mentioned Rebecca Crane only got five minutes a game, but that was a con- probably a consistent, you know, in the, in the yeah. fourth quarter during conference where she was just getting run. And so I'm wondering how that benefits when she probably has to play closer to 10 minutes a game, maybe, who knows? Um, but yeah, no, I think this is a team, like you mentioned, ready to go now. I think they'll, I think we'll see a small drop off in some of these numbers. I think they were just so efficient last year that it's hard to maintain, especially losing somebody like Marissa Banfield, who was one of the best playmakers in the country last year. Um, and Alyssa Mayfield as well. So I think naturally we'll see a, a, a small drop off, but, um, and then of course going to a, a better, a deeper conference, but I think we'll still see one of the conference favorites, um, yeah. on the floor. Yep. All right, 18 games here for SFA's women. Um, I'll let you go first. I'm gonna go 15 and three. I think they, I think they drop a couple, um, but I think that uh, uh, it's gonna be still a fun Ooh. team. And I, oh, this Ooh. guy, right, this guy's trying to. Oh my god! All right, I'm going 15 and 15 and three is great. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh man, I thought I was the SFA hater over here. Oh man. Oh man. Um, uh, I mean, AC is going to be good. I'm, I'm having uh, <laughs> AC is going to be pretty good. I like, I like Cal Baptist a lot. Like, I don't know. It's a bit, it's, it's a better conference. Yeah. It's a better conference. It's not uh, AC. I should have said, I uh, should have said Sam Houston, but anyway, it's, go on. It's, it's a, it's a better conference. Cool. Sure. Um, <laughs> sure. I'm going 17 and one. Man. There you All go. Right. All right. There you go. There you go. There you go. Calling my <laughs> shot early. All right. I haven't I haven't checked their non-conference. Um, I have it. Also. Actually, I'm looking. At, it's a decent non-conference. I do want to make it down. So I do remember now. They play AM at AM, November 18th. Yes. I want to make that game. So that's going to be a game. fun one. That's a great game. Well, they get Houston, yeah, AM, yeah. New Mexico. You're skipping over UTSA to start the season. <laughs> they get Houston, AM. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think it's a decently balanced non-conference schedule. So, yeah. anyway. There you, there you go. Um, we'll definitely have our eyes on all three of those UTSA, Houston, and AM games. Um, Arlington Baptist as well in there. Is that Are they in Arlington? That's in Nacogdoches. No, oh, you mean the game? Oh, you is, mean the team? Is, is the team. Is Arlington, Arlington Baptist, Baptist actually in Arlington? Or is that just? Yes, it is in Arlington. You learn something new. All right. You learn something new every day. Actually, is uh, it, hold on. it says Arlington Tech. Yeah, okay. It is. Okay. I was making sure. Because uh, Arlington uh, in D.C. came up, and I was like, when I looked it up, I was like, what? That's kind of what I thought. I was like, there is an Arlington Baptist School in Baltimore, but it's a, it's a private school, it looks like, high school. So. All right. All right. Come for the uh, Stephen F. Austin talk. Stay for the Dallas Baptist. Um, Arlington Baptist. You just, said their, you just said their name like 10 seconds ago. Come on, dog. Dallas Baptist is the only, it's the only Baptist I recognize in DFW. Sorry. Shout out DBU baseball. Shout out DBU, man. Um, all right. Let's talk some Lamar basketball. 
Let's do it. Okay. Um, the only thing, and we'll start here. Um, mm-hmm. Shout out to new head coach Alvin Brooks. Yes. Uh, you know, a round of applause for him over there. Yes, sir. Uh, assistant to Calvin Sampson at Houston. Uh, I, I might know too much about Alvin Brooks because Coach Ream at North Texas, uh, he posts on his story about 10 times a day. He's one of those, those guys who's always like this with his phone. Right. And he just posts Alvin Brooks. He posted Alvin Brooks like all the time. They're like best friends. So yeah, Alvin Brooks, uh, new head coach at Lamar. And they're coming off a year where they weren't even bad, like 10 mm-hmm. and 18 overall, six and 10 in conference. They had some things that really went well for them. Um, obviously David Muoka, uh, three blocks per game uh, was, was a great defensive uh, presence for them and they, they do lose him uh, but you return Davion Buster 15 points per game Kaysen Harrison uh, 13 points per game Ellis Jefferson at 5.6 points per game uh, crazy thing about Ellis Jefferson is he's actually in my grade he's I think he's going into his sixth or seventh year here uh, okay which is he's just, on the Perry Ellis plan yeah which is just <laughs> absurd here um, I remember he's from San Antonio that's why I know him he was okay uh, he went to Brandeis in San Antonio. And I just remember, I was like, I saw his name on the roster. I was like, Ellis Jefferson is like, it's like when you see that old friend, you know, that you haven't seen him. I was like, Ellis, is that you? <laughs> and it was man. Uh, so shout out to Ellis Jefferson. They had a great team at Brandeis. They went 31 and two my senior year, regardless. Oh. <laughs> um, and then they lost to Justin in the first round of the playoffs. That's just how it goes. Um, regardless, the defense was solid last year. Um, they were number one in block percentage in the conference. Obviously that's Molka. Um, they were fourth in steal percentage, but allowed te- allowed teams to shoot almost forty percent from three in conference play. So that's kind of an area where you obviously have to get better. Um, a lot of it was inside out, inside first, then outside on their defense, which isn't a abnormal thing. It, mm-hmm. It's just burned them a little bit. Um, they struggled to create a lot of clean looks on offense. They were fourteenth in effective field goal percentage, tenth. Um, 10th overall in offense efficiency and fifth in defensive efficiency. Um, Brooks brought in a handful of junior college players. Um, And so now, you know, we look at this team, like what is his identity going to be? How is he going to approach it? Is he going to be Kelvin Sampson? Is he going to try to be Kelvin Sampson or is it, you know, I would be interested if he had Mwoka still uh, at the five, but Mm -hmm. you know, they don't. So might be a little more guard centric team. And uh, you have my interest. Yeah. Yeah, I think that the interesting thing. So when tick when they when they let go of tick price, um, it was kind of like they were never bad, but they definitely just didn't get better. And I think that's what tick price was a good head coach for. I believe that he was there for almost ten years, and I think it was just time for a change. And so I I, I don't disagree with the move because it seemed like things were kind of going in the wrong direction under him. And I think the biggest thing for me when it came to their downfall. I think a lot of the talented, they couldn't keep a lot of talent in Beaumont. I think they started to lose a lot of that talent. And Beaumont's a great basketball city. Uh, Obviously, United won the title last year. And I think there was a lot of talent that was leaving the area. I think Nigel Pearson was one of the biggest ones who went to Texas State, became insanely great for them, became their all-time leading scorer. And I think it kind of started with him and – if you're Lamar, you got to kind of get you, you every year to me, every other year, you should be bringing in somebody local. Right. Yeah. I think you're a decent program. You're not like, this isn't to me, this isn't Lamar football where you're just competing with like so many other players, so many other teams and programs that will just raid Beaumont. Right. 
I think you're you're good enough to where you should be pulling in a local kid every once in a while. And I think they've brought TJ Atwood, I think was the last one they kind of really brought in and they kind of lost that area. And so to me, that's Alvin Brooks's first job is to just keep local talent in Beaumont. And I think he has the cachet to do that, right? You mentioned he's, he's a ten, what, 10 years under Kelvin Sampson, right? Maybe yeah, longer, was, a little bit was, longer. It was, it was a long time, yeah. Yeah, so I, I do hope that he kind of brings a little bit of that in, intensity because I think that kind of translates, right? That, that type of gritty, blue-collar style of play fits kind of the swagger of Beaumont, I think. And I think you could really – you could have people rally around that. I'm trying to like, I think they have Case and, Case and Harrison and I'm trying to, they have one other Beaumont player, but long story short, they have a lot of talent to me. That's just waiting to kind of flourish. They have Davion Buster, who I think is one of the more underrated players in, in, in the state. He could shoot a little bit more efficiently, but I do wonder how much of that was just him kind of jacking things and trying to, trying to get things going. Uh, Jordan Adams, I know was a, was a, a big pickup for them. He's a local, he was a local kid who played for that uh, state championship Silsby team for Austin P. I remember seeing him. He was really, really talented. I I'm in, I'm really interested because I think that, 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 that offensive rebounding scrappy style is something I think that's coachable, right? I think yeah. that's something that's not, you don't have to have insane talent for that, right? You don't have to have a Quentin Grimes. To, to, to gear your team around offensive rebounding and hustle plays. Yeah. I think that's something that's really instillable. I think this will be a very fun team to watch right away. Um, but I am interested to see what wrinkles he adds of his own that aren't Kelvin Sampson uh, uh, clones, because this is a guy who's been an assistant coach for, you know, 20, 30 years. Right. Yeah. So um, I'm, he's coached under, he coached at AM, he coached at uh, UNT, he coached at UTEP. Like there's so many things here. Bobby Knight, he coached under, I believe for a couple of years at tech. So um, yeah, I'm really curious to see what this team looks like under him. Yeah. Real quick. Last year, they started off conference play really, really shaky. They were getting blown out by everybody. Sam Houston, Stephen F. Austin, UIW, Abilene Christian. They end up ending the year on a four game winning streak, uh, beating UIW SFA. Um, and then going into the tournament, uh, beating Houston Baptist, beating Sam Houston by one in the tournament and then losing to Abilene Christian. Um in the semifinal game. So it's a team that has potential. Um, and you look, Oh, sorry. I was looking at, I was looking at last year's uh, schedule and I forgot. Um, you look at this year's schedule. They, they don't start the year overly difficult, but then they have a little stretch of games that I'm interested in, in Southern Miss, um, UTSA, Texas tech, Mississippi state. You know, that's mm-hmm. a four game stretch mm-hmm. over a two week. No, not even. Yeah. Two week period that, you know, it's going to tell us a lot about this team before we get into conference play and the conference, as we've mentioned, then you start a conference play and you have Sam Houston, Stephen F. Austin and New Mexico state as your first three games. So yeah, it's going to get real, real fast. And even then, I mean, UTA, Texas state, a uh, couple of Sunbelt games there. That's going to be, those are going to be interesting tests too. Yep. All right. You ready to predict? All righty. Let's do it. Um, this one's tough. I feel like this one's really tough. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go six and twelve. Damn! How did you just read my mind? <laughs> I'm gonna go six and twelve. I think they'll they'll scrap a couple games from from a uh, from the top six. I'd say uh, that that bubble up top. I think they'll scrap out a couple games, and I think they might they could take a couple from the bottom as well. Um, I'm trying to look at exactly how their things unfold. Yeah, this conference is tough. 
I don't know. And I don't know if they have enough. I mean, losing, am I saying his name right? Mwoka? Mwoka, yeah, Dave Mwoka, yeah. Okay, yeah, I did say it right. I was, I said it like three times. I was wrong. I thought I was wrong. Um, I mean, yeah, that's losing, three, what, three blocks a game going? Three blocks right a game, man. That's that's a big defensive. And really, that's what they hung their hat on last year was being a solid defensive team. Sure. Um, I, I just don't know how much they can get right going into this first year um under brooks here and i think yeah. i mean obviously new conference as well it's a lot of challenges uh i i have a little more questions than answers i'm actually gonna drop myself one i'm gonna go five and 13 okay they, i mean they they drew they drew the short end of the stick when it comes to the conference play they get sam Houston twice they get sfa twice they get acu twice they only get chicago state once uh they get i'm trying to think they get one other they get utrgv twice so there's that maybe for them but yeah, Chicago State's the other one of the other bottom teams that they only get once. So yeah, they definitely drew the short end. I think let me see, Dixie State, they get them once. once. So again, there's the other another one of the bottom teams that they'll get only once. So yeah, it's gonna be a tough one. Seattle, I think they luckily only get once, but yeah, it's yeah. it's it's a tough schedule for the most part. But first year, you kind of hope just to see the wrinkles of what you know, you look at imagine it like the Kempom spreadsheet, right? Next year you hope to kind of see the spots in green where you're like, ah, there's where they were actually kind of good at, right? So at least for me, that's what I'm going to be looking for. Exactly. All right, let's get to the women's. I'll let you uh, start us off. All right, let me bring up Aqua Franklin's squad real quick. Let's see. I thought I had it up. There it is. Okay, that's what I thought. So 10 and 14 last year, 9 and 6 in conference, a pretty decent team last year. Um and so you have, let me see if I can bring up their numbers here. So they got to the line a lot. And I think that was one thing they could really hang their hat on. They were, they were decently, they kind of relied on the two point shot. They didn't really shoot threes very well, but they didn't really attempt a lot either. There were about 203 pointers attempted uh, and they shot poorly. You can see why they didn't really rely on that, but they, they put up quite a bit of shots from two. And I'm really interested to see how that translates. They, they got a lot of steals. They got, uh, uh, they're about 50th in the country in steals per game, 50th in steal rate. They didn't, uh, they forced a lot of turnovers. They didn't turn the ball over a lot. They weren't great. They could be better at holding onto the ball, but they're about middle of the country in uh, turnovers per game. Yes. But they didn't rebound the ball well. They didn't shoot the ball well, but they put up a lot of shots. So that's kind of how they balanced that out. They scrapped out a lot of games and, they yeah i'm kind of see i'm kind of interested to see how that translates because i'm looking at their schedule last year and they didn't really play the contenders that well except for acu they beat acu once they took a game off acu but their wins came against the teams that they were kind of around right nichols i'm looking at uh uh, mcneese i'm looking at uh i'm trying to think houston baptist texas a&m corpus christi they beat the teams they probably quote unquote should beat yeah and uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm curious to see what happens this year. I think that Aqua Franklin's one of the best young coaches in the in the in the country. Um, I think she's really they bring back a lot, and I'm kind of wondering what this team looks like heading forward, especially in you know I mentioned a tough conference, a scrappy team last year. Um, but I'm interested to see what this Aqua Franklin experiment looks like because. 
you know, I think it was promising first couple signs of her first couple years. Um, but you know, what's it look like in the whack this year? That's yeah. that's kind of what I'm what I'm looking to see because I think they were 10 and 19 her first year, six and six and 14, took a step forward. Do they take another step forward? What's that look like in the whack this year? We'll see. Yeah. Uh, they ended up plus 3.3 in turnover margin, which mm-hmm. kind of explains a lot of the extra shots that they they were getting. But like mm-hmm. you said, minus 5.8 rebounding margin, uh, 4.7% uh, worse field goal percentage than their opponents, which is significant. Um, Michaela Wilson was named to the preseason uh, first team in the WAC, uh, coming off a year where she averaged 12 points per game, 6.5 rebounds per game. Um, they return other sophomore guards, Sabria, Sabria Dean uh, and mm-hmm. senior guard Angel ha- uh, Hastings. Hastings. Uh, they lose Jaden Pimentel to UTSA, mm-hmm. which is, I think, pretty significant considering how much Pimentel played last year and her impact, on, I think, on the defensive end especially. So, you know, you have to replace that. They were picked to finish seventh by the media and eighth by the coaches in, in the WAC. And as we've talked about, the WAC is, is an improved conference from the Southland last year. So you don't know how many of those, you know, easier wins you're going to get. I mean, I'm just, I'm thinking about how I kind of evaluate this team going into this year. And I'm not a hundred percent sure. Does Wilson have to take over? Does she have to score more? Uh, does she have to create more? You know, you hope Dean and Hastings can help with that as well. But yeah. I think they will benefit from a bit, from a, a full conference schedule. Cause I'm looking at, I'm looking at a lot of their games last year and, they didn't play – I mean, the SFA, I think, skewed a lot for them because I'm looking at the SFA game right now. They One game, they get almost doubled up in rebounds, 28 to 50 on the boards, and then one game, they shoot 0 for 11 from three. And so I think that playing against that team skewed a lot of what – you know, I think I think those numbers are semi-accurate, right? They probably they weren't a great three-point shooting team, but I think having an 0 and 11 game on your, on your schedule – skews that a lot and then getting doubled up in rebounds in one of those games skews a lot so i don't think that they're atrocious in those things i think that there's things they need to work on but i'm wondering how much playing a full conference schedule of 18 games you know helps them out a little bit um in that regard so yeah i I mean i really do yeah seventh in the conference if uh, is is about what 500 you'd say roughly i'd say i mean out of what there's 14 teams right in the whack or there's yeah yeah, so so that happened right in the middle of the pack, which I think would be really good for this team. I mean, you finish top seven, top six. You know, you you put yourself in this spot where you go into the tournament, and um, I don't obviously. I mean, you're in the same conference as SFA, so you know you're not going to win it, but you can at least put your best foot forward here and make a make a little run to the quarters to the semis. And this isn't this isn't a this. I like this non-conference schedule a lot. I'm looking at it right now. Their tough game is Tech and Texas State. And that's kind of it. I mean, they have they have an SEC opponent in Ole Miss, but like not a not a team that they're just going to get like beat by seventy, right? Um, they have New Mexico, Howard Payne, Ole Miss, Texas Tech, Loyola, New Orleans, McNeese, Texas State, Prairie View. Like that's not a terrible non-conference schedule. No. And so I want I, I'm curious to see what their record is after that. Right? I mean, they went looking, they went one and eight in conference uh, non-conference last year, right? Was yeah, like so you know only up from there. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's that's a that's a conference schedule that they can gain some confidence in, and then I'm looking at how they start because they start <laughs> conference schedule rough. Sam, SFA, New Mexico State, Grand Canyon, Sam. 
like <laughs> like that, that's about as tough yeah. as you can get uh you probably just threw cal baptist in there and of course they get them twice because they drew the short end of the stick of that but um yeah i i this is gonna be a team that again it's gonna be one of those they look better but the record's not gonna be better i don't think yeah, uh, the record's actually going to be worse because they had a winning record. I think they had a winning record. Last and nine year. and nine and six in conference last year. That's why we're looking at it like, can like how can this team get back to being like five hundred plus? And right. I don't know what the avenue is for that. Like that you're gonna they're gonna have to play borderline perfect because, like you said, the schedule was wacky last year. Right. I mean, you go into a year where everybody is returning a lot of talent, and you go into a better conference. Um. I, I prediction wise, I'm gonna 18 games. Uh, I mean, there's still some teams that they they're definitely better than here, and I mm-hmm. think that they're gonna be competitive with almost everybody besides like the top couple teams. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm gonna be at. Damn, I'm gonna be positive. I'm gonna be eight and ten. Really? Yeah. Man. That that's that's very positive. That's very positive. Seven. I was gonna go seven and eleven, but you know, I kind of. You're making me feel like I, a, I believe like a jerk. It. I'm going five and thirteen. <laughs> 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 making me feel like a jerk, man. I think I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I think. Yeah, I, I I'm trying to be optimistic, but I think this is it's a tougher conference, and I think that last year they were able to scrap out some wins that I think are going to go the other way this year. This this is great. Cause early on in the podcast, the, the preview yeah, podcast that we did, I was right. the, always the one that was un like, like one less win, two less wins. And yeah. This is the one we're pretty, split. we're pretty separate on this one. Yeah. That's, is that our most, is that the first time we've had three win differential? I think it is probably. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. This is great. This is great. Good. Good. Cause I'm Good. looking, I mean, okay. I'm one, one, one check in my favor here. Their wins last year. Houston Baptist, Texas A&M, Look, Corpus Christi. If I had to bet on if they were going to win. UIW. If I had to bet they on the schedule no more. <laughs> if I had to bet if they were going to win over under seven and a half games, I would definitely say under seven and a half. However, I'm I'm going to roll with Lamar Women's here. All right, let's go. And uh, I, I mean, I, I said Aqua Franklin's one of the. I think once she's one of the up and coming coaching wise. Coaching wise, I, I trust them. Michaela Wilson, they have that player that you need to go to. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm trusting that. I think they they're gonna beat the teams that they were that they're supposed to beat, just like they did last year. And that's a, that's not nothing, right? right? Beating the teams that you're supposed to beat, or beating teams that are on your level or below, sure. is significant here. So, you know, you return enough talent. I I think that seventh in the sixth in the conference, sixth or seventh in the conference gets you to about seven or eight wins. So right. It's just whether they can can get to that point or not. That's that's what we will see. Good. I'm glad we have some some uh, separation here. Yeah, mark that down. Let's see where that one finishes. Oh, it's it's marked. Don't you worry. <laughs> it's marked down. All right. Um. Uh. It just got reported, and um. This again, we're recording these in advance, so whenever your our listeners are listening to it, it's obviously already old news at this point. But Baylor freshman Langston Love is out for the year, torn ACL. So Ooh. that's not, I mean, I, I didn't expect him to be like a great, like, sure, you know, sure. Key, still, key guy, but still that's, that's, that's something it's too. Yeah. So. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a new Baylor team where you're kind of expecting some, some guys to step up. So yep. that's rough. Yep. So 
All right. That's all we have for y'all today. Um, I don't know who we have net on the next podcast. Uh, I'll let Ish look that up while I. Oh, okay. You're going to put me on the spot. I wasn't, I wasn't looking it up. but I, Oh, I'll... you wasn't looking it up. He got on his <laughs> computer and he just you know, wasn't going to help his co-host out. I got it right here. Don't worry. Uh, next podcast is uh, Houston 2, Sam Houston State, Texas Southern, and Prairie View. No gerrymandering there. That's just pretty much all in a similar area ish i mean kind of north and south houston but whatever still houston um so check that out next if you haven't already check out our last podcast um we did dfw we've done san antonio we've done west uh we've done houston so check all those out uh send to a friend let us know what you think our twitter is at dc dct basketball uh follow ish on twitter at ishmael r johnson follow me on twitter at matthew bruni underscore uh, check out our content at uh, texasbasketball.com uh pick up the magazine i assume by the time this is out the magazine will be out or at least close to being out so pick it up uh pre-order do whatever you got to do to get that so thanks for joining us and we will talk to y'all later